0: We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at
1: belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
2: When you're commuting, tune out all the noise and tune into the news you need to know. WSJ Podcasts. Listen where you want, when you want coming up
0: coming up on Money Beats Financial Food Fight we are going to talk about Fed policy ECB policy and the big M&A the big year for M&A
2: this is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal everything you need to know about money and the markets and then some now from New York Financial Food Fight
0: Welcome to the food fight. Paul Vigne here with my boss, Stephen Grosser, with uh, Chuck Jaffe from Market Watch on the phone up in Beantown, and uh, Jeff Rogo, who. Rogo, what do, you, what do you do these days? What is your. I see you flitting around the office, my friend. Well, what is it you do these days? That,
1: that's what I'm going to go with. I'm mm-hmm. I'm the money and investing fly. <laughs> as far, <laughs> that's as far as I'm going to go. That's as far as you're going to go. Yeah, if I gave him more, it's like Bond. If I gave that's more all information, the, it's and, all the public information you'll get. That's right.
0: All right. Uh, Let's get right into the food fight. A lot happened this week. Let's try to unpack it. Uh, We had the jobs report this morning. What was it, 211,000 jobs, a little over expectations. Uh, Look, didn't really alter anything that you didn't probably think before 830. The the much more interesting thing was what happened yesterday with the ECB and Mario Draghi, what he did do, what he didn't do, what that means for the market, what that means for the Fed. Uh, I think... Look, everyone thinks he under he he under uh, under delivered. They they were expected to do a much bigger stimulus package than they did do. The problem for that, I think, is is in the relation to Fed policy, and that the markets were expecting the ECB to really pick up the mantle that the Fed wants to drop, which is the easy money mantle. And now we're in some kind of nebulous state where. Unless I kid ourselves, everyone's around zero or in negative rates. I mean, everyone's very accommodative. But when you're talking about an economy that has gotten $8 trillion of central bank money since the financial crisis, they are expecting a lot out of these central banks. Are they
1: really delivering?
0: Anyone jump in? <laughs> Well, I,
1: look, I I love to have the Thank market. You. Thank you, fly on the wall. You're welcome. I would love to have the market conversation about the bifurcation of central banks and and how the Fed's doing. You know, maybe raising rates on the 16th, and how the ECB needs to provide stimulus. And I'm used to disappointment. My life has all been disappointment, and so like get out of <laughs> here. He's doing that on purpose, folks. because He's a Patriots fan. Yeah, he's, fair enough. He's trolling me. So the, the thing though is, Europe's economy stinks. Yes, and that yes, and, it and does. Let's, let's, let's not forget. I mean, Investing in stocks, investing in the market is how is your economy? How are you expecting companies to perform? And they needed to do more because their economy is doing terrible. And no matter what happens about the different relationships of central banks around the world, there's nothing more than that to me. And they needed to do more because their economy across the entire region blows. Uh, Yeah, okay. Chuck?
2: Well, there's very little doubt of that. But, I mean, what you're really looking at is this idea that we've come to some measure of – of gin- ginormous forces and, and, you know, it's movable objects and everything else. I mean, we're at a spot where you can have plenty of people telling you, hey, we should see the market correct, there should be something that's going down. But when you have so much cash on the sidelines, when you have no place for it to go to earn money, and when you still have the U.S. central bank being at least as accommodative as everybody else, you're not going to find many people who are going to put their money someplace else. They're still going to come to what they consider to be the best market. And as long as that's there, then a lot of things wind up being sort of held up by, hey, look at how much cash is there and everything else. So you, I, I'm not sure that we – I hate to think that, like, wow, this time it's different or anything else. I just think that this time we've got sort of bigger forces working at odds against each other, and it's going to take a lot longer till we wind up – sort of seeing that work out and then get any strong direction
0: yeah well look i mean this this week has been very up and down for u.s equities uh up sharply on friday it was down yesterday but let's not kid ourselves on thursday the dow and the s p fell back into the red on the year meaning that they've really gone nowhere european equities as bad as the economy is over there european equities have had a very good
3: year and they've outperformed largely because the ECB launched its stimulus right. in you know, the spring. I mean, you saw – I mean, the U- U.S. equities coming into the year, everyone expected them to be the one that outperformed because the U.S. economy was, well not great, was stronger than everyone else. But that didn't happen. Japan and Europe outperformed because that's where the QE was. Mm-hmm. And the, the QE had you – know was no longer in the U.S
1: but they also the currency basis. If you're in the United States and you're trying to invest in Europe, the dollar's been surging through the roof, so it hasn't been a difficult trade, at least in one regard.
2: Well, here's the stat that I like. It comes from Neil Hennessy from the Hennessy Funds, and it's a piece that I actually wrote for the journal that's coming, I think, this weekend. And... He basically said that from January the 1st through November the 6th, and if you updated it now for the last month or so, it would, still, it would make the numbers even bigger, but the results are the same. From January 1st until roughly today, the market has traveled over 30,000 points. That's 30,000 points, and the Dow is roughly even for the year, and as right. you pointed out, Paul, it went from positive to negative territory on Thursday. So we've had a lot of miles traveled without actually going anywhere.
0: Right. Right. Which is, you know, I have to say that to, to me, that's how the economy feels, too. I keep hearing that we're right around the corner. Things are better with the best house on a bad
1: block, whatever you want to use, you know. And I just feel like we're we're traveling, but we're not getting anywhere. No, but I, look, I know you're watching a lot of HGTV, which is why you're hearing the like best house on the block. But I will say, you know, you, we, we've had our you know, we had the WSJ CEO council a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. The CEOs were incredibly negative. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It was not. It did not feel to me listening to that conference that people thought we are, you know, we're sort of in a never-ending story. They thought it was bad and going to get worse. Right. They, I hate being the negative person, but that's what it sounded like. Yeah, and that that's tough to do on this now, podcast that because that's different. usually my my role.
3: <laughs> but also, has that been that different than at any point during this recovery? No. I mean, for the most part, if you talk to corporate America, like they haven't been that bullish on uh, the economy. Right. right. No, it, it
0: hasn't been, and I think that is a problem and that is a problem for the fed the fed wants to raise rates they want to tighten policy they know that they should have not they should not have kept rates at zero for this long they didn't want to keep rates at zero for this long but they never felt like they had a choice they desperately want to get away from that now cuz it's not it's not good
1: policy they they're never going to come out and say that but they know it but, but everybody. It is bad policy. Right. It's look, we were talking about returning to normal. You can never return to normal if your rates are at zero. You talk about what happens if there's another crisis. If you have no more bullets in the gun. Yeah. There's not. What do you do? Like it, it is smart policy for them to get rates higher as soon as possible.
0: Yes. The trick is doing that in this economy. When you have you're talking about CEOs not feeling confident, you look at the business investment numbers; they're not good. Consumer spending has never been very good throughout the recovery. I mean, ISM this all, week was terrible. ISM, all these what, numbers, yeah. Chuck, jump in. Sorry, you
2: can't give you can't give everybody what they want. No. So let's go back to the analogy you were making, Paul, about about you know best house on a bad block or whatever it is. Well, again, if there's all this money on the sidelines and there's no place else that's attractive for it to go. Mm-hmm. You're still not going to wind up seeing the money flooding out of the market, and you still have all the money on the sidelines. At some point, somebody has to say, you know what? There are some bitter pills to swallow. Truthfully, a small increase in interest rates is not much of a bitter pill wow. compared to some of the stuff that we're going to have to choke down if they don't get this done soon. Yeah,
0: but, without a doubt. you know. But again, tell me where the money's going. Look, you had, you had uh, uh, junk bonds doing some great business earlier this year. Debt has done great business throughout. Uh, Real estate, you know, I mean, I hear all these stories about Chinese investors are looking to move their money and put it in U.S. real estate. I mean, the the fact of the matter is people are looking, to get to your point, Chuck, people are looking for the return wherever they can find it. And yes, in the numbers of the U.S. stock market until this year, you saw it going up. And in the numbers of European equities, you see them going up. But not as much money is going into those places as it used to. People are looking for different places to put their money.
2: But ultimately the we have to get through whatever we're gonna have to choke down. And nobody ever said the market comes with a guarantee that you're gonna make money every year or that you're always gonna go straight up. At some point people have to say, you know, we have to be willing to allow the market to have its normal ebb and flow because we're away from the normal at this point.
1: Yeah, that was funny. In, In in October remember we had the couple weeks of selling and the reaction when we were talking to people on the street was, this is good. This is healthy. We needed this. We, right. we need, right. you know, it wasn't a capitulation, but we need these moments where people, you know, rebalance and yeah. re-understand what they have. And then, you know, what happened to weeks later? Yeah. the market reality was yeah. like, it never happened. The reality is no,
0: everyone talks about that being a good thing. Nobody really wants it, though. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back in a second. And we will talk about one place where money is flowing, and that is in the... We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this
1: country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
0: The M&A market.
2: When you're commuting, tune out all the noise and tune into the news you need to know. WSJ Podcasts. Listen where you want, when you want. Now from New York. Financial Food Fight.
0: Welcome back, Paul Vigna, Stephen Grocer, Jeff Rogo, and Chuck Jaffe on the phone with us. You know, we knew this was coming for a long time, and we had Dana Mattioli on, on this show a couple of weeks ago talking about this, too. Uh, but this week, merger and acquisition business crossed over a threshold of setting a record for
3: the amount of money done in a year, right, Grocer? Four point three trillion dollars in announced uh, M and A activity, or right. announced uh, deals, um, and the U S. crossed two trillion. Most of the volume, or you know, almost fifty percent of the volume, has been here in the U S. It's two point one trillion. Um, that's unusual. Yeah, is that uh, percentage? The U S. has never is it crossed. Usually higher or lower? The U S. the record previous record was one point five eight, um, and I think that was in two thousand and ninety nine. Um, and this is the first time it's ever been over two trillion. So uh, two thousand and ninety nine. Two thousand or ninety nine. Oh, oh, or $99. Okay. Um, He's a fortune teller. Yeah. So this yeah. is this is this is basically the first. You know, a lot of the activity was in um, the U.S. A lot of it has been um, focused on two industries: tech and pharmaceuticals. Have accounted for thirty percent of the M&A activity here, um, and we've had a whole lot of the biggest deals of all time. What is interesting, and I think the question everyone is asking themselves is whether this can continue. Mm-hmm. Um, you haven't seen a lot of the really stupid deals that you have—you you know, sort of like AOL, Time Warner type of deals and things like that—that that have sort of you know uh, marked the top of other M and A cycles. But you know, uh, you look at the, what Jeff was just saying: CEOs not being confident. I mean, you know, this is a game. You know, if the if the CEOs aren't confident. They're not going to be out there buying, right. so how long, and, long and do they last? I
0: think, Jaffe, you're going to have an opinion on this, too. I mean, why are these deals getting done is the real question. I mean, what, what's behind it well, that there, is I mean, spurring a, all, all this money? Well, there's a variety of things
2: behind it. We've had a number of them that have been tax inversion deals, and that's about can you repatriate money at, at lower tax rates. I think when you look at the, the cycle, you know, you just heard – the the line about CFOs are not interested in making deals i would argue that that's the exact opposite side of things i would say right now we're getting to the spot where CFOs are desperately anxious to make deals because they're wondering you know when is the market going to back away from the trough if you look at traditional cycles when you wind up seeing merger activity heat up you go to the silly stage that's the AOL Time Warner stage right. we haven't gotten to silly yet
1: well I don't know I don't know if we can say that. I mean well, most of those things at the time they thought they were a good idea. You don't you don't recognize a silly stage true. until two years later. I'll also say the thing that's also really helping this is what we talked about in the beginning, which is they're able to fund these deals. I mean given what's going on in the debt markets, they're right. able to fund these exactly. deals. It, it feels like there's a lot of things in this in the toolbox that make me think like, this may be the top. You talked about inversions, and the government may do something about that next year. You're looking at the debt market. Stocks have been quiet. If they have a weak year, that usually can, can hit. I mean, there's a lot of things going on that are helping M&A. All of those have to stay together next year and then add a level to keep this well, going.
3: Well, I'd say two things. First of all, the debt markets have been very open to M&A and low. For years and it didn't really take off until this year. Secondly, when we talk about the silly stage, we're really talking about horizontal versus vertical deals. AL Time Warner was a vertical deal, whereas, you know, you look at Pfizer, Allergan, that's tax, but it's also grabbing market share. And a lot of the deals we you've seen within the semiconductor space, whether it's the you know, Anheuser, Busch, S.A.B. Miller, it's grabbing more market share because that's the like you know, it's it's basically taking your synergies, cutting costs. Grabbing market share—that's the way people can grow their um, their sales right now. I think
1: Paul is oh, because me five they're bucks. not. Uh, he, I, we was the first one to put synergies in an M and conversation. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I'll, I'll <laughs> uh, and, and look, part of that is because th- the economy
0: basically stinks. There's not a lot of growth. But but Chuck, I want to bring you in on this because uh, you mentioned Pfizer, and I know Chuck, you have an opinion on Pfizer. You know, these deals sound fine, and they're certainly great for the bankers and they're good for the lawyers and they may even be good for the executives but how are they for the shareholders Chuck Well Jennifer?
2: as a general rule they're terrible for the shareholders and in the case of Pfizer I am a shareholder and I'm going to have to sell the stock uh why I, why I, do you have to sell Well to me part of the reason I've held Pfizer as long as I have is that I had big capital gains in it for them to go through an inversion it's great for the corporation to avoid some of its taxes if it wants to bring money in And do some things with it. But any investor who has Pfizer shares is going to wind up being treated as if they sold their shares. So it's forcing the capital gain on me. As a result of that, I need to evaluate the stock and basically say, okay, look, would I buy it again? Because even if I don't touch that money, I'm going to wind up paying that tax bill. And I look at Pfizer stock and I think I can make a case, and I know people who have made the case, that a couple of years down the line, This would be, you know, this deal will pay off for Pfizer shareholders. But because I'm paying the capital gains tax, well, I'm not necessarily willing to wait a couple years down the line. If I want to be in pharmaceuticals, there's a couple of companies that I like better now than I like Pfizer when you talk about the next couple of years. Pfizer, this deal is going to have a whole bunch of shorts sitting on it and a bunch of other things that go on that make the next x number of months pretty ugly
1: does that so, mean the, the best bet for these chuck for you is is to go at individual names that might be bought or to go at like etfs exposed to a sector that's mid m a cycle
2: well i mean i do a little bit of both in my personal portfolio so i'm i'm looking at you know both sides of things i might go the etf route and said rather put the money in that direction but I'm an investor who's always sort of said, look, I understand the balance sheets. I want to find a few things that I want to own and industries that I want representation in and what have you. And when one of those companies goes through an inversion, they take away my ability to control capital gains. And I'm a tax-aware investor because I try to be you know, minimizing my taxes the same way they're minimizing their taxes. Right. So as, is this a good deal? Well, this is a good deal for the company to minimize its taxes, but it maximizes the taxes of any investor who's got the shares in a taxable account. And at that point, like I said, the question is, would you buy it again today? Yeah. If the answer is no, then you need to go buy something else.
0: Let's, uh, let's pull this back out. Uh, I'm going to ask one more question, and then we're going we're to wrap this up here. So the, the, pull this back out a little bit. And, and uh, Rogo, you, you sort of got to this point. Does this number look like a top That's the question. Does this look like a top to you? Personally, me, uh, I say yes, especially when I look at everything else that's going on in the economy, in the markets, in terms of monetary policy. To to me, and look, it doesn't mean that the top's going to come tomorrow, but to me, all of this, and this whole cycle has been so thrown out of whack by Fed policy to begin with, but to me,
3: these things look like a top.
1: Gross. I I would
3: agree. Um, I, you know, I, like... I don't think the M&A market's gotten silly. I think there are yeah. a lot of arguments to be made for why it's not the top. Right. But, you know, I'm not seeing the sort of confidence um, in corporate America that is going to propel it further. I think, you know— You,
0: you mean the confidence that
3: corporate America
0: has or confidence that people have in it? What, what you no, mean? no, I mean
3: confidence from the CEOs. Yes, right, I, right, right. I, 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 like, that needs to propel it further. And if the stock market starts pulling back, I think that's going to throw a lot of cold water.
2: I don't think it's a market top. You don't? No, I, I don't. I mean, I hate to try to forecast things like that. That's so out well, of my nature. But down. but I sort of agree on this one with Jeremy Grantham, who um, would, by the way, tell you that he's not so much a pessimist as, as maybe you are all just a little too optimistic. But he basically has said, and I tend to agree, you don't see... Bubbles bursting and all those other sorts of things happening until there's some measure of euphoria. So I think you could make a case that the market is overvalued and it needs to come down and it needs to get more of a shakeout than it's had. But until we sort of see everybody going, hey, I got to get my money and now's the time. Let I me mean, cash in on, on this last stage of deals or whatever it is. I don't think we're getting there. I think uh, this is one of those cases where, yeah, I think there's trouble coming, but I don't think we're there yet because as long as we've got enough worry to climb. You know, we haven't gotten to where there's no wall of worry,
0: right? and right.
2: and when we get to where there's no wall of worry, that to me yeah. is when
0: you're going to go Uh okay. Rogo, last word, and I actually do mean it, last word. Top. Top. All right, there you go. All right, uh, three to one, and, and Chuck will probably end up being the one who's right. Everyone, thanks for listening. We will talk to you on Monday.
2: WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.